Hello, and welcome to Love in the Time of COVID-19. I'm Julie Stampler. Hope you're doing well and that your friends and family are safe and healthy. I do know some people who are suffering as a result of this virus, either because they're fighting it, recovering from it, or someone they love is fighting it. And I can only send you love and strength. When I started the podcast, the intention was to bring some light to a dark, stressful time. And while I think uh, we're doing that, I realize it's also a place for people to escape for a little while and not necessarily have to focus on the outside world, even if it's just for half hour or so. Today's episode, I'm really excited about because I get to chat with a dear friend, Carrie Davidson, whose first book, The Five Archetypes, came out a couple weeks ago. It's fantastic. She's fantastic. We're going to hear about the book. We'll get a chance to learn a little bit about ourselves. I also have a love letter to share with you from Justin in Rochester, who painstakingly scanned and sent so many letters and pictures that I'll definitely post because they're really awesome to look at. I mean, we're going way back to 1903. And I figured, too, I would start today with giving you a suggestion of who you can write a love letter to if you feel so inclined. Operation Gratitude, an organization that's been around for a long time, and they've partnered with the Starbucks Foundation. And if you go to operationgratitude.com, you can register, and it'll walk you through the steps on how you can send a letter of gratitude to first responders. For example, they also are delivering packages to deployed troops, healthcare workers, veterans, so much more. So they're delivering packages, but you have an opportunity to send a letter if you want, or bunches of letters. It's something to make you feel good. And it's guaranteed to make someone else feel good, but it will also make you feel good in the process. So get to it. So now I want to get to uh, the interview with Carrie, because we do go a little bit deep into the five archetypes, and I hope you find it as interesting as I did. Carrie's an author, healer extraordinaire. We were introduced by a mutual friend uh, who knew that we would click, and she was so right, and Deb. Mm, might be coming at you to get you on the show too. Uh, Carrie's book is called The Five Archetypes, Discover What the Elements Reveal About Ourselves and Our Relationships. It came out a couple of weeks ago. We talk a little bit about how to ground ourselves during this pandemic as well. So I will ask you to take a few deep breaths, sit back and listen in. Here's my interview with Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hello, Julie. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. And there is so much we need to get into. But because I consider you a wellness specialist and and many people consider you a wellness specialist, I figured we would start off, if you don't mind, by talking about some quick and easy activities people could do during this time of quarantine and isolation, just for some grounding and some calm. If you have like what your, your top, you know, two or three activities that we could do quickly to just all of us, you know, center ourselves. One of the things I always talk about is that one size never fits all. And a lot of even this, you know, wellness, holistic health stuff, people get into, there's like one or two things that everyone should do. And when we get into what everyone should do, it actually has the potential to cause harm for some. So what I like to do and what we'll probably dive into a little bit with the five archetypes is just mention that not everything is great for everyone and some things that might calm you down will actually exacerbate stress for someone else. But um, that being said, the first thing I would say is do what feels 
do what feels soothing. But for you, number one, I would say the breath. It's actually the exhale. And it's really great for everyone. It is to some degree, but it will be annoying for some people (laughs) (laughs) to go Uh, into the breath. But the exhale is good. The exhale is important because on the exhale, those nice long exhales, um, it initiates the parasympathetic nervous system and also slows the heart rate and allows you better access to your brain and your ability to problem solve and get clear. So the breath for sure, taking a walk, like physically moving your body. Um, You don't have to do rigorous exercise, but even if you just change your perspective, get up and move to a different room, that movement will get your brain unstuck. There's this correlation between physical movement and, you know, getting out of stuck thought processes. So those would be two, I would say, that are, you know, helpful Um, But tap into the one that feels right for you. I think that's great. And so there's always a question when it comes to breathing, especially from, you know, anyone who practices yoga. There is the inhalation through the nose and the exhalation through the mouth. Mm -hmm. But then there are others that suggest not opening your mouth to exhale. We're going so deep. Like, I didn't even Mm -hmm. think we were going to go this deep into just basic breathing. But like you said, it's important. Well, there's, um, have you ever heard, I guess you're doing yoga, you've heard the term pranayama, the breath work, right? So it kind of stems from this Ayurvedic Indian practice of all of these holistic health well-being components that include mudras and mantras and pressure points and the breath and food and digestion and all these things. But um, there are a whole bunch of different kinds. This is that goes back to the one size doesn't fit all. Lots of different types of pranayama and breath work that do very different things. And so if you've got a computer and an internet connection, you can Google breath work for stress reduction, breath work for lower back oh, wow. pain, breath work for headaches. Yeah, it's as it's as variable as yoga poses, right? You not you would do a different yoga pose to um to support, you know, to deal with constipation than you would to deal with, you know, your knee that's bothering you. And um so the same, breath work can be very personalized to exactly what it is that you want to release. You mentioned mudras which you know, I don't know much, but as I was going through the five archetypes, discover what the elements reveal about ourselves and our relationships. There's an amazing assessment that you can do to find out what your primary archetype is. And I will give it away. I'm an earth. It is not a big surprise. (laughs) Certainly wasn't to me. (laughs) But so when I, when I was going through the chapter about earth people, uh, the mudras that were there, because you actually have a couple listed, are it's so bizarre because they're actually two hand gestures that I have used organically for years, not even really understanding Mm -hmm. what they were to do. But even in just Mm -hmm. simple, you know, kirtan events, I would have my hands on my lap in a particular form, not understanding that it was a mudra connected to my archetype. So that blew me away. Wow. Yeah, I think it's interesting what I what I hear from people when I reveal what their scores and what their archetypes say about their nature and their motivations and their fears and their proclivities and their what they avoid doing. Um, it's all 
it all makes so much sense, similar to, you know, what you're just saying. And, um, and there's this difference between what we habitually do and then doing stuff with intention, because when you do it with intention, we have less, we're caught off guard less, we're surprised less, we begin to be able to predict and then overcome our pitfalls Right. Because like if you knew that that was your mudra that would chill you out when you went into your stress states, you would use it more. You would use it more intentionally. Um, and so just having this knowledge, it unlocks and enriches, you know, a much more fulfilled experience in, you know, your own stress relief and then your connection to the people in your life. As I was going through the book, there was something in the introduction that stuck with me. And, and there's a line that says the five archetypes method is a map and a driver of perpetual expansion in the face of difficulty. It is a tool to give you more self-control over how you rise and embolden your resolve in the face of suffering. That to mm. me was like, ah, I got it. That's what this book is supposed to do for me is to help me whenever I get into a stressful situation recognize what it's doing for me and figure out how to get through it uh, in a less stressful state. And, and that was just huge. But it doesn't mean that everything mm. we do and experience is about suffering or is difficult, but that we can definitely, as we go through experiences, we're dealing with them through a lens of past trauma and history. So learning mm. about my archetype is already even just in the, in the, the quick perusal of your book has been remarkable, but I want to, if we can go, go to the basics, tell us what mm -hmm. the five archetypes are. We'll start from there and then, and then move a little forward. So these, these five archetypes are, are based in ancient Chinese medicine philosophy of how things and people grow and develop over the course of a lifetime. Um, especially, like you said, in the face of challenge or change. Like, what do we do when we feel challenged? What do we do when the status quo shifts, when all of a sudden our habits don't work for us anymore? We feel icky. And what does that mean? And how can you contextualize that and put it into a system of understanding? Well, what do I do now so that I don't sit here in this muck of crap and discomfort for forever? So these five they are they have element names fire earth metal water and wood and we each have one primary that guides the way we interact with our with these changes that come up in our lives and then give us that very personalized individual roadmap for success so people who are primary fire they um they bring the gifts of joy and optimism and hope into the world their biggest fears revolve around a fear of loss of love or disconnect and under stress they go quickly into panic and anxiety earth people their gifts to the world are empathy and unity and community they are nurturers and caregivers and team players their biggest fears revolve around abandonment and they under stress become um, obsessively worried and overwhelmed um, especially about being needed and fitting in metal people uh, their gift to the world is beauty and perfection and organization and systematization. Their biggest fears revolve around being wrong or making mistakes. And under stress, they can overfocus on the details or overfocus on what's wrong rather than what's right. Uh, water people, their gift to the world is 
is peace and deep meaning. They distill the truth out of mystery. They tend to be skeptics rather than gullible. Um, they, they ask the tough questions so that they can listen to the deeper details and make really good decisions about how to move forward. Their biggest fears revolve around people thinking they're not as wise as they are, like becoming obsolete in the world and making the wrong choices. Under stress, they over-isolate. They just disappear into themselves and get, get deep into their thought processes rather than connecting with other people. And then you have wood. Wood people, their gift to the world is freedom. They're trailblazers. They are risk takers. Um, they like to win. They like to be best, first, fastest. Their biggest fears revolve around confinement, being told no. And under stress, they tend to um, become angry quickly, angry and frustrated. So those are the five quick and dirty. It's amazing because as you were reading them, I'm like, oh, that's that person. That's that person. Oh, I know that person. <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> right. Oh, that's that person. <laughs> what I found super interesting was as I went through the assessment, uh, which we'll talk about, you know, finding out that, I, that Earth is my primary archetype. What you make clear, which I think is really important, is that we are all made up of the five. Mm -hmm. And that it's not only just as important to know what your primary is, but that it's actually helpful to understand what your lowest archetype is. Can you talk about that mm -hmm. a little bit? Do you want me to use yours as an example? Okay. <laughs> uh, sure, I guess we can. So we can tell people, but let's start, where, where can people take the assessment? Yeah, so you can go to fivearchetypes.com and there's a, there's a little button right up top um, where you can click through to the free assessment and get these answers for yourself. Okay, which is great. And obviously, it's also the assessment's also in the book, so you can order the book yeah. and we'll get into the details of that. Earth is my primary. Fire is my, my second highest. And then it was, oh goodness, I'm forgetting now, wood and, and water, I think we're tied well, to the bottom. Yeah, so I have the the most recent scores I have for you have wood as your lowest. Uh, okay, yeah. So your lowest usually corresponds to the um, type of behaviors and people even that you have the least tolerance for. Oh. And so these are your biggest button pushers, which also direct you to the greatest opportunity for growth. It's not that there's something wrong with those behaviors or those people, right? That um, that awareness, kind of like the quote that you, you talked about, you know, in the beginning, uh, in the introduction to the book is that this is a system for understanding your challenges and how you can grow through them. So your biggest opportunity is through your biggest challenge. So, so it's important to understand the qualities and the values and the behaviors of these types of people. And, the, and can you see through the intolerance and through that to the gift that that type of person or that type of behavior brings to your life. So for example, wood people, wood behaviors are on a physical plane, it's physical movement, it's exercise. Like what's your relationship? That's the first place I always start is like on the body component. What's your relationship to exercise? Do you have to like, do you hate it? Do you have to force yourself? If not, then that's not where your challenge is. Then we move up to the the cognitive component, the behavioral cognitive component of, of wood is about planning and execution and goal setting and achieving your goals and envisioning a future. 
and having and sticking to the drive to make shit happen no matter what. They don't sit and wait and nurture an idea for a minute. They're like, oh my God, the, the building is burning. Let's get the you know what out. So it makes so yeah. much sense that I am really good at coming up with ideas, but I suck at executing them because wood is my lowest. Yeah, wood is initiation. Wood corresponds to the to the season of spring when all these beautiful flowers burst up out of the ground, right? And all the trees burst up onto the trees. Everything is in growth. Everything is pushing forward. I mean, how much effort do you think it takes this tiny little seed to push up through the earth, you know, and show its beauty into the world and manifest? That's the energy behind the wood archetype. It's constantly pushing it like how if you've seen like a tree, right? If you look at the roots of a tree, they they go everywhere to find water. Mm. They just expand out. If they find a rock, they go around the rock. They don't say they don't take no for an answer. They don't just say, oh, well, there was a rock in the way, so I'm not going to expand my roots. <laughs> you know. So recognizing that wood is my lowest and thankfully in the book, you you know, I can just go to the wood chapter and read all about wood. It, mm-hmm. The idea would be to recognize and be aware that those are some of my challenges and it's definitely going to be a useful tool. Is there a way for us to then use the book to navigate, okay, I know this is a person who irks the crap out of me. It's clear they must be a wood or a metal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is there a way using the book to navigate a relationship? I have a little bit in there um, that goes into how to navigate those specific relationships. My next book is going to dive super deep into exactly how to do that. But, um, but something that's really important is when you can identify your partner's type or your coworker's type, understanding more about how they see the world and then having empathy for that viewpoint is going to go a long way for your relationship with that person not being um, stressful it will bring a lot of calm and understanding you know if you have a boss who's a wood person they're not going to want to sit down and have you know, kumbaya, (laughs) they're not going to want to, they're just not. And earth people like those, those moments where we have team building exercises, networking, where we go out to lunch, where we storyboard together about new ideas and wood people are more, they're executors, they want things fast. And that sometimes, you know, slows things down. Now the gift and the beauty in a, in a wood person, even when they feel like you can't tolerate that as an earth person, is that they make sure things actually get out into the world, which is what we all want. Where magic happens is when they can empathize with the fact that you need, you have needs for connecting, for conversation, for sharing, for collaborating. And can they build that into the process and still get it out by four o'clock? So yeah, the book really helps people understand and empathize and have compassion for the different ways each person sees the world. And then we have a little more tolerance and, um, and a much more loving, compassionate existence. 
you know, you and I, let's talk about a little bit about relationships among the five. Fire nurtures you. Fire, so while metal is your outlet in a time of stress, fire fills your gas tank. Fire in your life every day allows you to be the best you nurturer you can be. It, it gives you the impetus to, you know, to help others, to, to collaborate with others, to have harmonious relationships. When you don't feel optimistic, joy, happy, playful, silly, when you don't have an influx of that in your life, um, it's very hard for you to be your best. So you and I will naturally get support each other in this like really nurturing cycle. Whereas you and wood will not have that. You, you won't feel that from a wood person. You'll feel something different. You'll be forced. They challenge you to grow. I just tell you, you're, you rock and you're freaking awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> See? You can hear yes. that smile. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, it's good. But what I would love for you to do is you've given us a snapshot of the five archetypes. I'm curious how each of them would respond to giving and or receiving a love letter. Because I know people who, oh, don't leave me a note. I don't, I don't care. I don't want your note. But it, the fact that you took the garbage out, so happy. I, you know, it's, it's <laughs> so that can, I'm sure, correlate to whatever their primary archetype is. So I'm curious if you can uh, talk about, you know, I'm Earth. So what for me would work in terms of do I prefer giving or receiving love letters? I know the answer, but I'm curious mm-hmm. what yours is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so funny, you know, earth people think needs are bad. They, they'd prefer to take care of you than for, for you to take care of them. So, you know, earth people love relationships and bonding and communication and, and they value notes. They'll value outreach like that. It'll feel really good. And they see these as, you know, notes and letters and calls and conversations are really important. You know, they don't want to just think about it. They don't want someone to say, oh, I was thinking about you today. We're like, well, what did you, what, what, what do you want to talk about? Like, tell me, what were you thinking? Ask so me questions. True. Let me ask you. Your... It's so yeah. true. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Then you have metal people. Metal people, you know, they're perfectionists. So they'll they'll search for the most beautiful card that really is like really, you know, nicely designed. And they'll write, you know, something that's, you know, very um, grammatically correct <laughs> <laughs> and clear. Yeah, they'll be, it's more like a high level. It's like, you know, a love letter from a ballerina that's been, that's poised and and perfected then you'll get like a water person you'll hear nothing from for like a year and then one day you'll get an eight page letter that is the most freaking awesome poetic gorgeous deep metaphor I mean just deep and beautiful and magnificent but they think they think about it for a really long time, and then you didn't you don't realize they're so quiet. They're very much in their minds, and then all of a sudden they come out with this like massive, beautiful, you know, philosophical production about how you you know this this red robin that sits on this beautiful tree in the middle of winter next to the 
yada yada place looks just like your beating heart <laughs> and da, 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 you know I'm like oh whoa wood people are visual so they want they want uh like a give me a 15 second video or three three bullet points you know make it fast make it clear make it visual fire people want to want to want to be seen they just want to be told they're awesome so if you write even a short love letter you know something gushy and romantic and you've made their year huh. <laughs> kind of easy right <laughs> Fire people, unfortunately, I have to say, are really easy. God, it's it's one of our challenges in life. <laughs> well, I'm sure fire. We has will easily too. <laughs> so once again, so people can go to fivearchetypes.com to take the assessment and learn about their archetype. And then, how do people get the book? So you can get the book also on um, on that website, or you can you know Google and it comes. It's available at all major booksellers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all the other you know biggies. But yeah, there's links. Um, you can even go to Simon and Schuster, my publisher. You go to my book page on Simon and Schuster, and it lists all the different places you can buy the book from. And if people wanted to connect with you, Carrie, and or Tornasol Wellness, how do they do that? So you can email me, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at tornasolwellness.com. Amazing. Are you able to connect with people virtually? Yeah, all of my sessions and all of my work now has been online. So, um, so I'm doing video con consultations and also things by phone. So it's really kind of seamlessly moved over. And the commute is great. <laughs> I, I go from my bedroom to my dining room. <laughs> well, thank you, Carrie, so much for, for being with us. And if you want to learn more about yourself, if you want to learn more about the people around you, and even what I found remarkable, too, in the book is learning the dynamic between parent and child is also reflected in the primary archetype. So I'm, I'm actually having all my kids do the assessments. One of them mm. has already done it. He's a fire. Makes total sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to help with my parenting skills as well. So thank you for giving me so many tools to use. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. You know, all those good things. So now that you know I am an earth primary archetype, don't use it against me. <laughs> I'm really just here to try to make you feel good. And so to do that, I'm going to enlist your help. Send me your love letters. You can send them to love in the time of COVID-19 at gmail.com. They can be written to you, by you, from someone in your family history or even a famous couple you admire. Uh, for example, this, this one that was sent to me this week has actually a fun story behind it. Well, the way I got to the letter. My mom, hi mom. She was so excited by my new podcast venture, she ended up playing it for a group of her friends, and immediately I was Facebook friended by a couple, among them Stuart and Mark. They're hilarious and adorable. They just celebrated their wedding anniversary, happy anniversary, and anyway, Mark reconnected with an old friend, Justin, uh, on Facebook as the virus was shutting everything down, and Justin happened to post on Facebook that he had found a bunch of old letters. Mark immediately commented and convinced Justin to send some of the letters to me. And like I said in the beginning of the show, these letters are from 1903 and they are in incredible 
condition. So I, I will put some of the pictures online so you can see them. And there's even a picture of the happy couple. Uh, they would be Justin's grandparents. So it's a picture of Justin's dad and his parents. It's really cool to see. Uh, the happy couple, Mamie and Freddie. How cute is that? Uh, so I'm going to read you one of the letters where it seems like Freddie is gathering up the nerve to ask Mamie a very important question. August 17th, 1903. Dearest sweetheart, I got the boat and left at 10 to 9, arriving at Rector Street at 10 after 10. I sat near the gangplank, thinking of that little girl who saw above all the others, waving her hand as the tram started out. Then, sweetheart, I made another vow that I would live for you alone, above all others. Going through, I changed my seat to a dark place on the boat and fell asleep crying and thinking of my sweetheart I left behind. I got home at 11.15, but Papa and Mama were out of sight, so I could not ask them for the hand of the girl I adore, but I will tonight and sometime tomorrow you may expect to receive a wireless message by that floppy system. I went to bed at 11.30 and rubbed my hands with Omega oil, but I wish those blisters would last forever so I could think of the nice time I had rowing with my sweetheart. I am going over to your house tonight and will let you know about it tomorrow. I have that queer feeling again, that of lonesomeness, and I hope that will not change to a feeling of fear by tonight. With you always before me as it was at the station, love, I give you a thousand kisses and hugs and will always be good and true to my Mamie, even after eternity. With my love always before as I work through the day, I am your sweetheart and will be. Fred. Oh, the innocence. Papa and Mama and asking for permission to marry Mamie. It is just so sweet. And in some of the other letters that follow, Papa actually says no at first. Uh, but Mama convinces Papa, and they were married. And, and you'll see a picture of them online. But thank you so much, Justin, for sending these along and the pictures. I'm glad you and Mark connected again. And thank you, Mark, for convincing Justin to do this. So even through this pandemic, some really lovely things are happening. So your assignment, should you choose to accept it, dig through the basement or the attic, find some love letters, email them to me, love in the time of COVID-19 at gmail.com. Visit fivearchetypes.com, take the assessment, and then, hey, let me know what your primary archetype is. I'm curious. <laughs> I think it says so much about who we are, and I'm eager to learn more. You can order Carrie Davidson's book, The Five Archetypes, at that website, fivearchetypes.com, and we can learn a little bit more about how we interact with each other and how to balance ourselves so our interactions become more meaningful and more productive. In the meantime, stay safe. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands, and I'll see you real soon. This is love in the time of COVID-19. I'm Julie Stampler. Stay well.